We would like to acknowledge the traditional territories and oral practices of the Blackfoot nations, which includes the Siksika, the Pakani, and the Kainai. We also acknowledge the Sutina and Stony Nakoda First Nations, the Métis Nation of Region 3, and all people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. Hey everybody, welcome to the Change Agents Comics and Social Issues Podcast, where we explore graphic novels that have something to say. Brought to you by Change Agents from Renegade Arts Entertainment, available now on Comixology. Fight the power, be the difference. I'm James Davidge, and I'm joined today by Karen Mills of the Alberta Advantage and the Format Guardian Podcasts. Hi everyone. And Stephanie and Jason can't be with us, uh, unfortunately, uh, for this uh, conversation. They both send their regrets. Um, but every episode, we discuss a notable work of comic literature while considering its artistic merit and its ability to address our social concerns. And today, we're talking about the 500 Years of Resistance comic book by Gord Hill, originally published by Arsenal Pulp Press in 2010. As both a writer and teacher, my connection to truth and reconciliation with the indigenous people of this land has evolved considerably as I have become more aware, but I still have a long way to go. As a young counselor at Camp Chief Hector, I did get some direct contact with the nearby Stony Nakoda people, but it was not very frequent. Over time, I became more aware of the cultural appropriation that the camp I'd grown up at had practiced for decades. As a writer of my first novel, Driftwood Ellesmere, I diligently researched about the Northern Inuit and included their myths in my story. It wasn't until later that I realized that to authentically include any culture's ideas into my work, I should really do the proper outreach. Years after, when researching for a different creative project, I was fortunate to be connected with Patrick and Lee Deranger. Patrick was an elder from Fort Chippewan of the Dene. Lee was his artist activist wife. I began to bring them both in to talk to my students, to my school's grade nine students. Patrick would share of the abuse he experienced at a, at a residential school and how he recovered by finding strength and wisdom in nature. Lee would boldly share about her thoughts on decolonization. A showcase piece of hers addressed that the hunting of Mi'kmaq scalps was still technically on the books in New Brunswick law. The piece had four mock scalps mounted on an old door with the words, reconcile this, written above the scalps in blood red. I recall as Canada headed into its 150th year celebration, that Lee was part of a group of First Nations artists who were protesting the events. She expressed to me, 
We're not here to dance for you anymore. Lee has always had a way with words. At the 2019 Toronto Comics Arts Festival, I was fortunate to be part of a panel about Canada's secret history. Why I presented about my graphic novel, First Legion of Utopia. Sharing the stage with me was Gord Hill, and I was excited to learn for the first time about his impressive comic book. Um, so now I'd like to hear from you, Karen. Um, do you have any connection with or thoughts about uh, Truth and Reconciliation? Um, not directly. Uh, like you, James, I'm always in a process of learning. There's so much that we weren't taught uh, in schools, as you very well know. And uh, even as adults, as Canadian citizen settlers, uh, there's there's not much. I mean, a lot of the stories and history that we're going to read about in this comic, uh, if it was in Canada, I knew about it in the US and Mexico and Central America. Growing up in the Maritimes, um, particularly Nova Scotia, I guess the folks I would have seen around or things were named after with the Mi'kmaq, um, but you didn't see um, kind of the level of uh, urban poverty that you would see on the prairies related to Indigenous folks. So that was definitely a wake-up call when I moved to Calgary about 10 years ago. Um, I didn't realize, uh, I mean, you could, you could definitely see the rural communities in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, as you mentioned, James, uh, you know, the, not, not the most, um, you know, uh, excellent places for people to live based on history and uh, what the government had provided. But again, it wasn't so direct. And I, I was very surprised how many people didn't think this was an issue or that this wasn't surprising to them that um, this uh, disparity existed. So yeah, definitely a big change. All right. Thanks so much for, for sharing those thoughts. Uh, now, folks, we're going to get into uh, the summary. Uh, there will be spoilers, so uh, I'm just going to get into it here. Um, the 500 Years of Resistance comic book is essentially a history textbook documenting events very rarely shared from an Indigenous perspective. The book starts with the 1492 invasion of Christopher Columbus when, while searching for a transatlantic passage to Asia, he landed near what would later be called Puerto Rico and encountered the Tainos. He made note of their generosity, which he viewed as a weakness. It made them ripe to be conquered, enslaved, and Christianized. Soon, all European nations were sending over soldiers and settlers to take what they could from this new land. And while ultimately unsuccessful, the natives did resist when they could. Events depicted include the 1680 Pueblo Revolt in New Mexico, the Inca insurgency in Peru from the 1500s to the 1780s, Pontiac and the 1763 Rebellion and Royal Proclamation, Geronimo and the 1860s Seminole Wars, Crazy Horse and the 1877 War on the Plains, the rise of the American Indian movement of the 1960s, 1973's Wounded Knee, the, Mocha o the, the Mohawk Oka crisis in Quebec in 1990, and the 1995 Azudina Stony, Stony Point resistance. 
The information is shared very clearly, showcasing land taken by brute force, scheming treaties, and deadly viruses. The more modern acts of revolt indicate a sophistication in the indigenous efforts as they navigate the laws and politics of the colonizers. The last moment of resistance to make it in this volume documents when the 2006 Six Nations Land Reclamation was attacked by Ontario police, setting off a months-long confrontation. The final battle is an extreme close-up of the eyes of an Indigenous warrior, with the rest of his face covered by a bandana and ball cap. The caption reads, This is the world we live in, and the history that has made us who we are. Generation after generation, our people's resistance against European colonization has continued. Long live the warrior. And actually, uh, I feel it's worth adding that uh, this month, there is a new edition of the 500 Years of Resistance comic book coming out. And, uh, and I, I haven't seen a copy of it yet, but I did uh, uh, find out that it includes new uh, times of resistance, including notably, uh, uh, Gord Hill has gotten up to uh, documenting the, um, the I Don't Know More movement of approximately 2013-2014 uh, uh, there. So, so, uh, it, so I recommend getting your hands on a new edition if you can, uh, people, if, 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 you're, uh, if, you're getting, um, if you're seeking out this book. Um, so Karen, I would love to hear uh, from you. Um, what about, uh, well, it's interesting because I have here, what about the story? But I almost would say, what about the graphic text stood out to you? Yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of interwoven mm. many stories. So mm -hmm. it's a very uh, different presentation than some of the books that we've read before, but is a very interesting way to do this. And I think it's the only way you could really do it based on the title, um, <laughs> just <laughs> 500 years. And yet it's still something that, um, as they point out in the introduction, is very accessible and appealing and not <laughs> just here's here's an overwhelming book for, for folks. Uh, so yeah, that's definitely um, the thing that would stand out to me would be kind of the depth and breadth of what they're able to contain in, in this. I'm just holding up the book here and it's only, you know, maybe quarter of an inch thick. So it's, it's not hefty, but it's, it's very dense. Uh, there's a reading list. There's a text um, introduction by another activist. Uh, so you, you definitely get um, a lot. And yeah, I, I also appreciated the kind of parts. There's like part one and two that kind of, presented from different perspectives. So you had um, invasion and then resistance. And um, as was mentioned in the summary, kind of focusing on areas and events that go uh, more specifically regional and uh, involving the different groups and confrontations. So uh, yeah, so I guess my general impression was it's very, uh, uh, yeah, complete and impressive for, for again, what is, uh, would be very appealing for someone in a classroom or someone in a public library um, to pick up and just flip through. Yeah, I, I know for me, um, uh, some things that stood out was, well, just some of the, um, I guess there's definitely some information I didn't know before, uh, just with, with kind of how brutal uh, the colonizers <laughs> could be at times. Um, uh yeah just 
just but then also just how sometimes there was some some um some resistance uh looking here in 1803 uh i'm seeing all these uh um uh, a u.s boston ship uh the uh, the uh, the new Chaltanooth warriors did uh, did attack and behead twenty five out of twenty seven of them. Um, so there's certainly um, Gord isn't afraid to to showcase some some very uh, I guess uh, intensity from both sides. But mm -hmm. um, but he's definitely it, it really feels like you're reading um, an important history from from the perspective of a of a, a First Nations people. Um, I know, uh, having seen Gord speak, if if I'm not mistaken, he's he's not just a comic creator. He is one of these warriors. He he was, if I if I recall correctly, at Oka uh, when yeah, he was a, I don't when doubt he was, it when he was a teenager. Uh, yeah. So this is stuff that he is he's he's living and breathing this these experiences, and oh, I for think sure. um and and he's brought up some some interesting things here. Um, uh, I, I guess for me, I always um maybe this 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 uh relates back to when we discussed March. Um, but I know for me, when he, uh, when he started talking about uh, in the 60s, the, uh, the American Indian movement, I didn't know too much about it. And I found myself kind of reflecting on, on um, the, uh, the Congressman Lewis's uh, experiences oh, yes. with, with nonviolent resistance. It'd be interesting to know if back then there was much intersection between, between those, those movements. Because um, uh, often we read about them and encounter them separately. Oh, exactly. I, I did want to point out in the same mm -hmm. section about AIM, because um, mm -hmm. what, what I knew about it, I'd listened to a couple podcasts where okay. um, people, someone had written a book about it, and they were being interviewed for the podcast. So again, kind of um, particular topics and not a general uh, overview of it. But I, I knew there were uh, just individuals involved. Um, there's the fellow here who is his name. Yeah, Dick Wilson, who was the uh, tribal president, and that that created a lot of uh, like conflict and bitter feelings towards uh, kind of definitely disruptive for the movement. But I like that all these sort of things are included in here. It's it because of the straightforward uh, kind of blunt style of the writing. You can it's not like anyone's hagiography. It's like the the actions kind of speak for themselves and you can see that you know if if someone is literally on a battlefield and resisting and manages victory then that's great but there's also times where you know people are going to be misguided or uh wrongheaded or you know there, there's going to be different approaches to how to resist best so that's all in here too so i definitely can't knock you know um gord for not including absolutely everything including like you know the the less than flattering or helpful parts of these different social movements because every social movement is going to have struggle there's sites of struggle so it's yeah. it, they're not going to always be super smooth but uh but it, it gives it more uh more of a real feeling i guess well yeah and, and there's just so many different things that stand out almost every time i relook at this book more jumps out at me uh, just in that same way, sometimes that's how I take in text is, is the first time it hits me. It, yeah. I don't process it as, and then, and then so, but something that really uh, stands out to me now is that, um, like there was an, an occupation of Alcatraz that I never heard about. Mm -hmm. And not only was there a first nation's occupation of Alcatraz, this is on page 66. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it was for 19 months. It was from November of 1969 to June of 1971. I mean, there are 8,000 documentaries about the rock music of that, of those two years. (laughs) I'm sure. And, um, and we don't know much about this story. So this, I feel like every page here could be a movie. And, um, and, um, and so it's, it's, it's impressive that it's just got so much information. I do feel like, um, I am going to get the uh, the new edition. This is the edition I have is one that I I bought uh, on on the day that I was on the panel with Gord Hill. Um, but I do feel like my school would benefit um, from having uh, the new edition uh, in their library. And um, yeah, because it, it, it because I think uh, I think everyone should be reading this, and I think particularly uh, the First Nation uh, students in my school would benefit from from uh, encountering this uh, something that's that's I guess telling the story from this side, not just from this side, but telling stories, many that I knew, knew nothing about before I looked at this book. And like I say, it seemed, it feels like every page could be just um, a whole, uh, a whole epic in itself. Oh, exactly. Um, so I find this is, as, as, as you've mentioned, it's, it's a thin uh, book, but it, uh, it's definitely one of these ones that I feel part of why I wanted to look at it uh, on the podcast is, is I feel it's a significant one and, and partially because I do get the sense that, um, uh, well, yeah, that Gord, yeah, I'm, I'm now just reading his bio again here. And, um, he has been, um, he's been involved in all of these campaigns, um, since the Oka crisis in 1990, which mm-hmm. I still remember cause, cause I was in high school at the time, but I had a very, very, uh, Eurocentric perspective of that crisis uh coming from um uh, my high school in edmonton oh yeah i mean uh, it it was long done by the time i was you know reaching high school but that we didn't really learn about it the only uh, indigenous history we learned about was just kind of different cultural aspects i remember reading about like these are the different kind of uh groups across canada and this is what they're you know uh homes would look like it's just like so it 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 really didn't uh give them much life in history and like the exact opposite of this book where it's just like like anthropology or something instead of like you know these are this is living culture not not Mm -hmm. something from a museum yeah well i even like it's kind of exciting that it's it's you know um, that Gord is updating it as as history moves, and we're at yeah, such fantastic. a we're at such an interesting time in history. Um, anyway, so um, yeah, so that 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 about the story, or as I say, really, this is more a text. Um, uh, that's what we covered there. Anything else you want to share about the text? Um, yeah, just it's I I guess in a super short way, you could describe it as kind of a survey or compilation. Uh, but there's um, like I said earlier, there's lots of resources that is pointed to like there's a two or three page reading list so if you're interested in any of these stories that are a page or two there are whole books about them so yeah yeah it's a uh it's an impressive book and and i remember being very impressed uh by gord when he spoke um he was both a very kind of uh as you can read this biography and imagine that that you quite an intense gentleman but um, <laughs> but he truly is a gentleman, and, and he speaks very, like I say, calmly and, and articulately about these experiences. And um, oh, amazing! And, and, he, and, he, and he didn't make his audience, which was primarily uh, Toronto-based teachers and librarians. He didn't make 
them feel threatened or, or ostracized or uncomfortable. He's, but he spoke, but he spoke very purposefully and, uh, and, um, yeah, and, and, and with meaning and, and, and with care. So, um, oh. so, so that's the text there. Um, Karen, what about the mm -hmm. art stood out to you? Oh, uh, yeah, just fantastic art. I mean, there's just so many panels that I want to look at. And I'm just looking at page 53 here. And it's just, uh, um, it's, uh, actually, now that I read the text, it's like, uh, bloody. Yeah, it's a drawing of otters <laughs> that I was looking at. It's like the trade decimate is the sea otter population. Oh. Like, oh, well, that's that's unfortunate for them. But yeah. I mean, like, but, but it the does. Cute otters there. Exactly. But that yeah. just kind of like does kind of arrest you and say like, oh, well, even these guys aren't, you know, and, and there's there's some other violence on this page. But uh, I mean, generally, there's also one. Uh, there's a, a Mexican warrior who the eagle oh yes mexica eagle warrior with obsidian edged club which is just a really cool looking drawing and costume <laughs> which page is that because i'm still looking at these hida warriors oh for sure they're weird one's... weapons and rifles on page 53 <laughs> exactly this one's uh 37 so it's just a okay. kind of opening okay, well... panel there but uh again yeah, you could pretty much oh, flip yeah. to any page and there's just like a beautiful like uh arresting drawing and i mean the figures are kind of stylized but um they're not in a way that's like too cute or uh that definitely respects like everyone's identity like uh like clearly a lot of um the people here portrayed are indigenous or settlers but there's also uh like i'm looking at uh um like the the black panther folks here and like you can definitely tell like you know the the difference of all these groups, but not in a way that's, like you said, kind of reductive. So mm -hmm. they have like distinct personalities and and movements. Yeah, well, like some of his characters, like he's he's a good artist, and he's he's got a consistent style, which which helps you kind of go through the book. Yeah. Um, but like you say, his um sometimes sometimes his eyes are just very impressive, very like basic but expressive, and yeah. Um, and a lot of his faces of yeah them. well exactly no he's he is a very it, and it'd be interesting i'd be curious how many years he's kind of i almost get the sense that he chipped away at this for many years um, yeah but, it, it does have the feeling that mm -hmm. kind of these were these pages were drawn in different orders and uh just kind of put together in a way that makes sense i mean that's a not to take away from it still feels like a, a whole but just some of the um like mm -hmm. it just well, gives that feeling yeah, and it almost seems I'm just gonna just scrolling through it. It seems like he doesn't really start playing with some of the scenes having dialogue until later. So he is starting to um and maybe that's because he started to have more, I guess, first person experiences with it. Yeah. That it starts to that that he's got people saying things more in the later pages. Like like if I look at but or maybe he's just starting to realize that that personalizes the scenes more. But um but there's definitely kind of an evolution, even though the style does feel very consistent, you wouldn't assume looking through it that it was maybe worked on over 10 years. I'm not sure what the pace was, but um, but there is kind of this evolution of narrative almost. Like I say, he's he's just has people speaking more um almost as we get into the era where he is um where he's living this history. Oh yes. Um, um, should should just describe for uh, for folks listening. Yeah. So it is black and white ink yes. drawings. Uh, a lot of textures and cross hatching, just mm -hmm. uh, kind of bold outlines for the figures or any like 
kind of scenery like buildings and mountains and things get bolder outlines but um quite detailed yeah. but quite clear at the same time yeah and actually just once again flipping through it almost every panel if not every not well almost every panel has like you say detailed backgrounds like it really is um a high level of artistry lots of maps um yes. and, and and the odd um and like i say lots of different um kind of authentic uh portrayals of different um warriors uh um from um uh first nations warriors and um and then like i say and, and even in modern times i'll be very interested to see um how he portrays like idol no more um, oh, for sure. you know and um and whatnot i you know so that'll well, be very I, interesting. I was thinking of just mm -hmm. i I immediately was able to imagine again, just because he's done such a good job with, especially the the scenes through the seventies through nineties. I can absolutely imagine like all of the pipeline standoffs and actions drawn in this way, um, summarizing that. So I don't know if that'll mm -hmm. be probably the next edition, but <laughs> after yeah. this one, but it can, if, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, walking I don't around think with so. a sketchbook wherever he goes. <laughs> I don't think it's going to end mm. soon. So yeah, yeah, sadly, but uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, jumping to um, any any uh, similar works, Karen. That, that I certainly have a few, but I want to hear from you. I want to. Sometimes we have doubles. We double up. But I'm curious. True. What you have to say. Uh, well, if you if you have any comics, that that would be good because I I didn't mm. think of anything. That's why well, I do. So you, you go. Perfect. Go perfect. First. So I've got a couple books and a movie. Uh, okay. This isn't specifically. I guess it kind of overlaps with our our seasonal theme as well because we I guess we're not doing a Halloween episode, but I have a spooky movie as well. Okay. So, yes. That's fine. <laughs> so uh, these are just two books. They're just uh, like regular nonfiction books that uh, really helped me understand kind of uh, colonialism, decolonialism, uh, truth and reconciliation from uh, different perspectives than were usually presented in the media. Uh, so the first one is one that I read a few years ago that was uh, Red Skin, White Masks, Rejecting the Colonial Politics of Recognition. That's uh, Glenn Sean Coulard. Uh, he's a, a Dene person and writes about uh, fundamentally questioning pervasive ideas of settler colonialism and indigenous resistance. So I, I would say it's uh, just based on our podcast theme. It's, it's a more authentically, uh, well, resisting or uh, left-wing take on uh, these topics then again kind of the the version you usually see that is just uh, kind of a surface acknowledgement often literally a surface acknowledgement of land or history but not a way forward so this is one of those uh, arguments is, is what's presented here so it, it takes its title from Black Skin, White Masks by Franz Fanon, which is a, a classic uh, decolonialization book. But again, that like you were saying, early James is kind of like setting up like uh, similarities um, and comparisons and lessons from uh, kind of the um, Black decolonization and Indigenous colonization, decolonization because they're, they're quite relevant to one another, but not interchangeable obviously and then the second book is clearing the plains disease uh politics of starvation and loss of indigenous life by james dachuk and uh this is specifically about uh clearing the plains in canada and not a 
uh, easy read, but certainly um, like we were describing for this book, it's just the the like brutality and intention of the the colonial project of founding Canada is kind of difficult for us to imagine and quantify a lot of the time, at least um, as settlers. So this is a book that definitely was very eye-opening and uh, bracing for me, I guess. And then <laughs> something a little bit, I don't want to say lighter, but certainly a little different uh, change of pace is uh, Blood Quantum, which oh, is a yeah. movie. Yeah, a movie came out uh, two years ago, 2019. And this is my Halloween recommendation because cool. <laughs> basically... I've heard about that, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Uh, is it? Yeah. So I'm just reading the summary here because I watched it last year and I don't feel like I can, you know, summarize it great. But yeah. uh, so this is the dead are coming back to life outside uh, isolated Mi'kmaq reserve of Red Crow, except for the indigenous inhabitants who strangely amused, immune to the zombie plague. So that plays with a lot of the ideas around uh, kind of colonized people and the zombie tropes um, and just is uh, a fun, good Canadian movie that uh, watch cool well that's okay blood quantum that's going to be part of my halloween weekend i think perfect yes i've been wanting to see it awesome and anything else karen uh no that's, uh, okay. that's what i could think of so. all right well i'm gonna okay i'm gonna i'm gonna check a few things out here um Sweet. so uh since you so we'll start with the comics uh, and then i'll get into just a couple books that, that have had meaning to me but um uh first of all um i would recommend what's called the outside circle uh, which is a really um, respected graphic novel. It just came out recently, and it's by uh, uh, Patty LaBoucaine Benson, uh, and then art by uh, Kelly Mellings. And it's all about basically just a couple of indigenous brothers as they grapple with kind of the gang worlds that they're caught up in, and 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 uh, and even prison and, and such things. And then um, how um, at least one of them kind of gains strength and 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 really goes on um i guess uh the, almost like what, what sometimes called an elder in the making journey but just really uh starts to um kind of um uh like connect to his to his culture and really find strength from that and um and it's very well written uses um uses comic imagery uh, like as, as any great comics do and and it's and it's it, it's really kind of slowly um exploding out there as, as as a key book to read oh fantastic um, I, I know i know my school's got that um other comic i'm gonna suggest um right out of the gate as another is is the new uh, marvel indigenous voices Ooh. and um that is one that um it's it's all 100 uh indigenous uh creators and um and, but they're doing um uh telling stories about about marvel heroes for the most part i think uh using uh, previously established indigenous heroes that were most likely created by white guys. Um, but uh, so, so really handing them over to them and, uh, and hopefully not for the last time. And, um, and you can help that by, 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 by picking it up from your local comic store. Um, and as an Alberta plug, um, our very own Kyle Charles from Edmonton is one of the artists. He, 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 he plays around with a couple of the Marvel mutants, some, some of the new mutants. Um, if I recall, and, oh, and it's an, yeah, and definitely it's nice. <laughs> something I'll have to order. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. so uh, Marvel's Indigenous Voices uh, mm -hmm. is one to check out, and then um and then thinking broader in comics, I was because actually the ones I was thinking about were more about what are books that 
that are similar to this that are that, that function as textbooks. Um, and I wasn't thinking about that as from an indigenous perspective, but this um this made me think quite a bit like uh, the work of Joe Sacco, um, who does a lot of very real journalism, mostly in areas like Palestine. Um, and, and his work, uh, in fact, he has a book called Palestine. Um, he's got heaps of books, but Joe Sacco, uh, S-A-C-C-O, excellent artist, very similar to Gord Hill uh, in style, uh, different style, um, and um, but, uh, but works in black and white and very much, uh, like I say, he goes into Palestine and just writes about the experiences he has with people there. So it's very personal, but also very relevant to kind of the different movements to, uh, to deal with some colonial problems in other parts of the world. So, um, and then the other one I was thinking about that I know, Karen, you, you have a bit of connection to is the, um, like the people who do the, the, the graphic, um, history graphic history of, collective. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I so, should mention that actually. Yeah. <laughs> because, uh, my, my first, uh, encounter with Gord Hill was, uh, he, he's, uh, done a couple, I think for the, uh, Oh, really? A poster series that they have. Yeah. Oh, cool. I did not realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, like I say, that work, um, I'm always impressed with that work. And and, and maybe Karen, if you want to, what, what does a graphic history collective do? Because I'd butcher it if I, but not as good a job as you. Tell us what it is. Yes. Uh, Well, um, they've published several books and I think actually that's, would be a similar format to what we've just read. Uh, Yeah kind of the layout and presentation reminds me a lot of their work. So I think they have three or four full books, including one on 1919. So that's the Winnipeg General Strike. And that's more of a specific event, but the others are more like anthology style, I would say. So so kind of collections of stories and involving different artists most of the time. Um, Yeah. And they also have a poster series. So I think they're getting up to like uh, up to 30 posters. And again, these are all Uh, different artists sometimes it's an artist and a writer working together Um, I know I did a couple but I was (laughs) very honored to work for a couple of uh, Canadian historians and I I did some of the art and writing so that was great and yeah just a educational resource uh, mostly focused on labor and left activism I would say uh, but just generally uh, great uh, resource and uh, yeah well things, yeah it's yeah. interesting <laughs> yeah well thanks for for um sure. for i don't know if that's that concise either but that's, that, that's, hey, that's all okay. I got, so yeah, yeah yeah well and i think like i say it's just interesting to note the you know how often it is i mean i'm sure there's um other other sides but certainly lots of um whether we call it progressive or 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 uh or left or i'm, I'm not i'm not super, super know if either of those labels apply exactly to all these works but um but uh, just th- this attempt to document very real, relevant history that's maybe not in the mainstream uh, history books. Yeah. It's interesting how many people are using comics for that. So, so yeah, I'd say like margin history of marginalized groups. Yeah, that, that would yeah. cover most of them. <laughs> there, there we go. Certainly, can't argue that they've been marginalized. So yeah. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Well, then, so I did want to, so I, I wanted to appreciate, I appreciate that you shared some books. So I'm going to share two that, that, that are dear to me. Um, one, um, I just read cause a friend, um, recommended that a few of us read it and we, and we, and we did. And, um, and it was called, um, peace and good order, uh, the case for indigenous justice in Canada. And it's a short read, uh, by Harold R. Johnson and Harold L. Johnson was a, uh, or is, well, was 
um, a, uh, a lawyer in Northern Saskatchewan for a number of years. He was both a public defender and also a prosecutor. And he is also First Nations uh, from there. So he, he, and he's a really good writer. And it, and it really, it's one of the, it's very clearly uh, written, but he explores uh, why, and he really explains and helped me understand why um, we really have to think about a new, uh, a new form of justice, particularly for indigenous people, particularly, but arguably maybe for, for more than that. And he really outlines the failures of the current system uh, very clearly and just how um, it's just not working. And, and it just kind of creates this endless cycle that's, that we need to get off of. So, so Peace and Good Order by Harold R. Johnson is, is one of my favorite ones or one that had deep meaning to me and it's really clear. And then the other one is uh, The Inconvenient Indian by Thomas King. And Thomas King is, um, you know, very well-known uh, Canadian uh, radio personality, but also writer. And um, and the Inconvenient Indian was, I mean, I read it. I read it when it came out, so that was probably, I'd, I'd have to look it up, but five or six years ago. And um, it was uh, very eye-opening, told with humor, but also told very clearly once again how how we have to understand kind of how this has been you know, hundreds of years of, of mistreatment and, um, and often being cheated and, uh, and lied to and taken advantage of. And, um, and that we have to kind of reconcile that. And I think it, it, it's a book that I think, you know, would be interesting to even read now, you know, you know, now that we are maybe as a country trying to or more authentically understand what truth and reconciliation means. I think we I think, uh, including our prime minister, we still have a lot to learn uh, on that front. Um, but, um, but yeah, so that was another big, uh, big uh, influential book for me there. Um, hey, Trudeau has apologized for not apologizing enough. You can't, you can't knock him for not apologizing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess, uh, yeah. For those of you who aren't uh, from Canada, here uh, we recently had our first uh, National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. Uh, and this was uh, almost uh, spurred on by the discovery of 215 kids out of uh, their bodies um, uh, in unmarked graves at a, at a um, residential school that was in Kamloops. And our prime minister, who organized the holiday, and, 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 and we were all encouraged to take that day and, 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 and connect with, do what we could do to... Uh, to uh, to better understand truth and reconciliation, I know we took our we watched my my, my family watched some stuff on CBC, and we went to uh, the museum in Okotoks who had a, an exhibit that we could check out, and and um, you know, so we, we we I certainly valued that we had the day. Now, our prime minister who called the day made the mistake and to of uh, going to Tofino for a family vacation that day, going to the beach, going <laughs> to the like beach, what he did and, instead, um, and yeah, so um disappointing and um but unfortunately just almost stereotypically kind of how, how so many people including him potentially uh treat this as something that that's you know we're talking about it and this is this is sort of the guilt i feel always is 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 you know i just feel there's, there's more work to do and i just haven't fully grasped it and um and that was a really and, and, and unfortunately it's it's just it's unfortunate when someone does that as a leader they just end up taking up the oxygen around around such a an attempt to have a have a authentic moment of reflection. So, oh, definitely. 
Yeah. Um, so there we go there. Um, <laughs> so a bunch of works there. So Karen, uh, would you like to share what's going on with you? Oh, sure. Uh, so again, the, the labor history map I talked about yeah. many, many episodes last season is done. It's available. So you can actually pick it up at a bookstore. Oh, Yes, it's it's finished. So and uh, what's it what's it formally called? The labor history yeah, map. It's called Workers Stand Up: A Calgary Labor History Map, and oh, cool. it's uh, put out by the Center of Humanities at the University of Calgary. I had a great collaborator, uh, again a, a historian, um, Kirk Nygarth, uh, who did a lot of the research and writing. Um, I also did some of the writing and the art and the design. So this, uh, this and other maps in this map series, uh, which again, looks at Calgary from different uh, unseen perspectives, uh, it's available at Shelf Life and a couple of the other um, independent bookstores. And also if you go to the um, Calgary Atlas project, you can request copies directly, especially if you are a school, a union, um, they will probably arrange something to, to send you, so. Cool. Calgary Atlas Project is the website. Yeah, that's uh, just Google that and it will be a, a page in the University of Calgary. Well, that's exciting. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, um, hopefully we'll have a launch event at some point if there's not a fifth wave. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. But, yeah. Uh, but at least you can yeah. you can hold it. You can you can reach out and obtain it. So it's good. Yeah. You know, this is the longest wave. That we have going on here now <laughs> yeah, never-ending wave mm. um, <laughs> okay yeah let's hope not um but we take it day by day all of us on this planet together um great thanks a anything else but that's exciting karen but uh, uh sure yeah uh yeah. just uh onward to new projects i'm sure i'll yeah. be able to talk about them uh in the future but not not at this exact moment yeah, I just noticed that uh, I haven't listened to it yet, but the new uh, Alberta Advantage podcast is just dropped. I can't even remember. I, oh, was... that one's about uh, the orphaned wells, I think. So yeah, that's, that's an right. interview with an author who uh, wrote about that topic. So cool. um, basically any resource topic uh, directly or indirectly has a component of uh, kind of um, Indigenous rights and discussion involved especially oil and gas so uh, huh. I, don't, I don't think it's exactly connected to what we're talking about today but certainly many past episodes of alberta advantage including we have one on uh, an excellent book called um, canada in the world by tyler shipley and have a long discussion about uh, the things that canada does to its indigenous population and uh, other countries and they're both very similar and they're both very bad so that's 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 very uh directly related but yeah there's lots of episodes that you can find awesome as we come to a close i will mention one more time that this podcast is brought to you by change agents from renegade arts entertainment that's available now on comiXology written by me james davidge and illustrated by nick johnson the change agents feature a universe of superheroes that explore our social contract Tune in to our next episode where, hopefully with Stephanie and Jason back with us, we'll discuss Harley Quinn Breaking Glass by Mariko Tamaki and Steve Pugh. Should be a great conversation. Take care, everyone. Bye. See you later.